Hey everybody, we back again. We back. All right, that's it. That's uh, it. We back. I'm Spencer. <laughs> nope, nope. I'm Spencer, and of course we have our licensed clinical therapist, Nas. Doctor Nas thought he was going to be Doctor. fired today. Turned out he got a raise today. Doctor Nas, look at you. Oh, <laughs> I failed so well. I failed forward now. This is what we call brown privilege. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, this is a different spectrum podcast uh, where we talk about movies, shows, and mental health that uh, surround them. Uh, we also like to have some laughs, obviously, so don't take us too seriously. Or do. It's up to you. There you go. Also, don't forget to run up those likes for us. We'd really appreciate it. So, today, before we get to our guest, let's go to our collaborators. We have a few of them here. Bubs Naturals, Cure Hydration, Pinfinity, Silver Dollar Candle Company, Two Nerds Candle Company, and Cat and Raven Company. Oh my gosh, so much. We're going to have to cut so some man. Wow. All right. Even Joe Rogan doesn't have this many sponsors. Damn. <laughs> Oof. Um, so you can get 20% off uh, most of these. Go check out our link tree. Uh, you can get 10% off Cat and Raven Company. They do soaps, custom soaps, which are uh, pretty nice. Really nice to look at. So go check them out. Also, go check out our merch. We have a bunch of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, Mental Health University. And we got some new teas. One's just different, period. That's it. That's all I need to know. It says different. But different. you know what? It's a cool font. All right. It's a cool font. So cool font. Go for it. Uh, and with that, today we have a special guest for the show. Who? She is a counselor and also a art therapist, as well as a behavioral health therapist. Please welcome Lacey Newstad. Hello, hello. I'm excited to be here. Um I'm ready to share some of my stories behind bipolar disorder, which I know we're going to get to, and hopefully you guys learned some good stuff. Yep. Yes. Sounds Great to plan. have you here. Um, so today we are actually going to be taking a look at the film The Year Between. The Year Between. Just came out, I believe, 2022. I want yep. to say 2022, um, which is a, it's a nice little kind of indie film. Um, and like we said, it's going to be talking about bipolar disorder. So can't wait to get into it. Naz, anything before we get into the clips? So any, as soon as Lacey hit me up and then we said, hey, we're going to do bipolar. Every time I hear the word bipolar, there's this damn Gucci man song that plays in my head called bipolar. And that's all I can hear is bipolar. It's horrible. <laughs> I'm just saying the autism kicks in and it just plays in my head. So anytime you say bipolar, Gucci man goes bipolar in my head. Hey, you know what? Can't go wrong with Gucci man. Right. Yeah. Bipolar as hell. Uh, actually, all right. wonderful book that he wrote. Uh, oh. Or maybe his ghostwriter wrote it, but it's a wonderful biography <laughs> that one of my students had had me read. It's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, excited to get into it. Cat and Raven soaps, FYI, is gay soaps. So for all you in the LGBT community, it's wonderful soaps uh, on all oh, the different yeah. spectrums of sexuality. Super cool. Check it out. Um, I can't believe some of the creative stuff that they do with the soaps. And so I said, you know, gay soaps because I'm promoting them, their company, mm -hmm. and how they're helping out the community. And also, uh, 
the two two nerds candle company helping out women in, in STEM and it gives 10% back of their money back to women in STEM. So two of the companies yes, I'm really excited that we have and that work with us. Uh, but today we're going to get into bipolar, excited about it. Um, and some of the things, maybe the myths, I think Lacey will clear up some of the things that how it actually presents because right, a therapist is, is a therapist. This person is a therapist and might actually know more than others because they're dealing with possibly with some of the stuff, allegedly. We're going to get into it in a minute, allegedly. allegedly. And so who better to be a specialist uh, than someone that deals with some of these issues? And so those are the type of people we love trusting. Um, it's people that actually are going through it and know about it and now also are caregivers. So excited for today's pod. All right. Let's, let's get it done. Boop, boop. Boop, boop. I'll count the giggles. Of, oh, there, there it is. is. See, there it is. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> yeah. You just got to give the look. You don't even have to say anything. Just like, oh, boop, boop. I got it. I got the hint. <laughs> Read the script. <laughs> no one ever does. It's all right. And no one, literally, no one does. Uh, Motherfuckers can't read these days. Anytime we do whoop, whoop, no one else does it until we're like, no, I read that on the script. I just didn't realize when it was actually going to happen right now. So. To be fair, our own spe- our own normal guests never say it at the right time, and they've done it with us like since two years ago. Yeah, done it oh, eighty good. times, and they're just like, so it's fine. Whoa, so whoa. you're actually up to speed <laughs> compared to them. They're a little slower. It's fine yes. though. I love them, right? All right, yeah, we're done. I'm actually gonna keep all that in there. Of course you will. Yeah, no. Great. <laughs> hey everyone, I wanted to give a special shout out to our collaborator, Two Nerds Candle Company. Not only do they have great products, but they are also giving back to a great cause. You can tell that they take a lot of pride in making their candles. My favorite is Spock's Monday Coffee. They are also donating 10% annually to support Women in STEM, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. You can use our code DSP or go to our link tree to get 20% off your entire order. We think that this company is great, and we think you will too. So go check them out. Sit. I'm Dr. Lisman. I'll stand. Sit home. I'll sit. (laughs) Thank you both for coming in. I'm glad we could work this out with short notice. On the phone, you mentioned that... Well, I, I think it would be best if you just told me the full story. Um... I guess. Well, I got a call from her college roommate, and things apparently have been going downhill for quite some time. Uh, Hoarding, stealing, paranoia, staying up till 4 or 5 a.m., shrieking. Shrieking? She is dead to me. I'm sure that would make it difficult for your roommate to sleep. (laughs) Clemens, have you ever been diagnosed with ADHD? Self-diagnosed? I got got a guy at school who um, sells me Vyvanse and other stuff, such as weed. Well, I run a home goods store, so I'm, I'm very perceptive about people's needs. And I personally have always felt that she might have a brain disorder. I mean, she's very different from my other kids. Wow. Do you feel like you have dramatic highs? I mean, that last for days. I don't. No. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe. And afterwards, you crash. 
you feel hopeless and, and lose all the spark. I guess maybe, yeah. It sounds like you're experiencing episodes of mania and, and depression. What I'm leading to is bipolar disorder. Uh, okay. Um, so what? Why are you being such a freak? Hello? She's a hundred years old. Why should we trust her? Nein, geht nicht. Ich habe eine Patientin. Okay. Are those my shoes? I don't know. They were at the front door. Okay. With medication and therapy, you can eventually begin to feel better, normal. So, um, what do we do next? I mean, I just want to be sure that Clemens is listening because she is the one who will be responsible for her treatment. I hear you. With bipolar disorder, some people experience racing thoughts, binge eating, overspending, stealing, delusions of grandiosity. You might feel like you have superpowers. You don't. Pitch. First, you'll want to sit your family down and explain. Your treatment could mean change for everyone. All right, so you got mania and depression. So it's basically two diseases, but one. So then it's mainly mental? 100% mental, Dad. Well, that's good. At least you're going to survive it. I mean, not necessarily. As a future med student, I obviously know what a mental illness is. There's a medical explanation for why she's a mess. And that's like rude, but accurate. Can I go now? Where do you have to be on a Monday night? Um, anywhere but here. Thank you all for coming to my TED Talk. We should start you on medication to stabilize you. Miller? I'll start you on um, 1,200 milligrams of lithium per day. This is on the higher side. We need to keep your thoughts from racing. Help prevent those manic episodes. You also need to stabilize your mood, so we'll add an antidepressant. It will take time to get your cocktail of medications right. Not just the combination, but the dosage. We need to find a balance. And while we look for that balance for your cocktail, there will be side effects, some worse than others. Question, how is this worth $250 an hour? I, uh... Don't answer that. of your own ability. Yes, that is a lot of bread. And the nausea, 
Well, let's take you off the Lexapro then. You might respond Fuck. better. Clements. It's hard, I know. But we'll find the right balance. It just takes time. Until then, make sure you're getting enough sleep. And absolutely no drugs or alcohol, none. Well, maybe I should just kill myself then. That reminds me you should start seeing a therapist. Oh, and don't really know why I need a therapist, considering I've already hired this German woman to run my life. I don't even know if the meds are helping me or making it worse. I cannot fall asleep at night, and everyone hates me. The German woman is your psychiatrist? I call her the German woman to take away some of her power. Uh, what are you thinking about? At night? Well, mostly a novel that is, in some ways, very similar to Jurassic Park, but it is, explores feminism and is set in rural Illinois. That sounds really good. I know. Have you been taking your medications, Clemens? That's the thing. I uh, missed a few doses, and then I took some uh, other other stuff and some study drugs, and and I uh, just got really fucked up. And since then, it's all been harder. You have to work at this. You have to. This is never going to go away. And uh, my mom's, like, dying, so. I'm very sorry. Yeah. <sighs> Me too. You know, Clemens, for some patients, I do a sliding scale. The work is pro bono, free of charge. I, I could do that for you, and it would include the past weeks. Everything. Am I stuck here? What? You know? I... <laughs> that's up to you. I thought I was getting better. I was doing it, and I was. And you have to keep doing it. It's never done. This is life now, Clemens. Be diligent. Said my coworker is super mature and she's gonna be Jeff Bezos by the time I learn how to replace the paper towels. She got a 35. So. What makes me feel like shit? Same. High school party? Oh my god, I know so many people here kill me. Kill you? How about kill to be you? God, I miss being relevant. These are the best years of your life. And the worst of mine. Hi! We're Beth's friends. Co colleagues. We're, we're Beth's ex-colleagues. Give him a beer. No. Do it, bitch. Should I talk to that kid who asked us for a beer? Should I? I think I'd help with him. Like, sex ed? Yeah. I mean, that is hot. Oh, you two are the same age. Yeah, we have Cal together. 
right? She actually like lent me her graphing calculator, which was super sweet of you. You're a really nice person. Carlin, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I've ever heard you talk. She talks all the time. She's so fucking annoying. Mm. Oh, wait, okay, guys. This is my boyfriend. And oh my god, no, no. What are you? Oh, okay, uh, this is Kyle. That's our fucking brother! Bill Freshman Shrimp Kid over there! Neil! You can't be drinking! Why, why are you here? Why can't you just leave him alone? Just do it. Seriously, who invited you guys? You bought that fancy-ass beer in your hand. Yeah, yeah, chill, kid. This is a senior party. You're lucky to be here. Yeah, seniors only, bitch. I, I don't know why they're even here, man. I, I, I don't know why well, they're here. challenge me to shotgun this beer. Yeah. You will. Got a little, little sword. All right. Oh, shit. Oh, the beer. Oh. She's crazy. Like, literally, she's crazy, babe. Yeah. Hey, uh, you and your sister? You guys trying to turn up? What does that mean? <laughs> but yes. He's here, you got cash? Yeah. Like, I know how to smoke weed, but if someone could just hold the thing for me and cover up the hole and tell me when to inhale. Weed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys ever take Adderall before? Clement? Oh, no. Who is that? He lives around here. So you're a drug dealer for high school kids? Oh, yeah. What's your job? She lost it. He said she really did. <laughs> he did. You're so mad at me. Stop trying to talk. Hey everyone, before we get into the show, please check out our collaborator, Bubs Naturals. They sell a variety of health and wellness products, including collagen peptides, MCT oil powder, coffee, apple cider vinegar gummies, and other amazing products. Go to bubsnaturals.com and use our code DSP20 to get 20% off your entire order. And with that, let's get into the show. Before we get into the movie, we'd like to know a little bit more about our special guest, Lacey. So please tell us a little bit about you and how did you come across our show? So um, I am in the field working with ID and DD, um, adult population, um, and then there's severe mental health diagnosis, so dual diagnosis. Um, I actually started my own therapy account on Instagram. And when I started that, I actually came across your podcast on an advertisement um, and then started to kind of do some digging. And I connected with you guys after I shared one of your guys's posts. And that's kind of how we got this whole thing going. And I'm very excited to be here and kind of share my own story um, behind my diagnosis with bipolar disorder, which I've been diagnosed since I was 16. So about 10 years ago. Um, so hopefully I'm able to kind of shed some light on this misunderstood diagnosis that often has a bad reputation. Yeah. 
What were those acronyms that you use for the clients that you work with for our people that don't know? Yes, uh, intellectual and developmental disabilities. So a lot of neurodivergent individuals, autism, Asperger's, um, I do a lot of dementia as well, Alzheimer's. So kind of honestly, everything under the spectrum, literally, um, is kind of what I work with. So the, you want one to say a different spectrum. Yes, a different spectrum. If you didn't know, that's how we used to intro the show. I'm kind of glad it's gone because we did. It was super corny. A but... different spectrum. We need to get back to that. Do we? Uh, so let's talk about how long have you been uh, working as a therapist? And yeah, let's go from that. And then let's talk about, you know, maybe the your realities and how that's impacted your work and then why you want us to watch the show. Yeah, so um, I've been in the field now officially from graduating grad school for about a year and a half. Um, prior to that, I still worked with the same population in uh, my clinical internship. So I guess two and a half years officially of taking clients as a therapist. Um, and like we said, art therapy is also my background. That was actually my main focus in school. So I use art a lot with my population. It helps express things that maybe they can't speak verbally about or maybe they aren't able to kind of access within their brain. Um, and it also helps us diagnose, uh, which is kind of neat. Not a lot of people know about it. Um, and then what was I supposed to say? Uh, like what made you want to go towards, uh, this film? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So the reason that I kind of gravitated towards this film was definitely because of my own diagnosis, um, and kind of, also understanding that there are so many misconceptions and misunderstandings about the diagnosis itself that still bothers me to this day after being diagnosed for so long. Um, and so my hope is that by sharing this film where they kind of explore an individual's own diagnosis and kind of the highs and lows of the therapy treatments, the medication treatments, yep. the highs and lows of substance use, kind of like the whole thing. Um, I'm hoping that we're able to kind of shed some light on what it's really like and that as bad as it comes off in real life, that there are successful people that are able to do things like I am and become clinically licensed in a field and be able to help people with the same types of diagnoses. So there's a positive light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. totally. For and sure. What kind of um, negative stick or what kind of stigmas have you seen that are kind of like a lot popular that you kind of want to get rid of, honestly? I think that the big one is definitely one uh, calling someone crazy. I mm. think a lot of people have this idea that somebody with this diagnosis is just crazy when in reality, um, it's just a hard illness to kind of manage sometimes, but it doesn't mean someone's crazy. I think a lot of these highs and lows actually happen in such a weird time frame that you get a quick snippet of maybe somebody kind of needing extra help, and then that's kind of it. So I think they kind of narrow in on this one perspective of maybe someone's experience with it. Um, but it's not the full picture. Um, I think that there's a lot of stuff with people saying like, um, I'm manic all the time as well, which I think is almost kind of offensive um, because typically it's not actually mania. And for people that have actually lived through an experience with mania, yeah, it's very offensive because it's a scary experience to go through. It often is dangerous. It leads to hospitalization. It's 
um, yep. physically not okay for us to go through. So when somebody's tossing that around, it's a trigger. It's it's not okay to be doing that. So hopefully we kind of clear up some of that as well and what mania really is. So people stop tossing it around like it's no big deal. Yeah, it's disrespectful, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. as, as a therapist has worked with many clients with bipolar disorder and many that are neurodivergent, uh, autism spectrum and bipolar, uh, there mania is something else when you see it revving up and it could be triggered for so many different things that hopefully I don't forget and we'll go over, but I've seen it triggered from sleep issues, uh, alcohol, mm -hmm. drug issues. Most commonly though, the easiest thing is stress. So either yes. not sleeping enough or too much, but just being stressed the hell out. And so some of my mm -hmm. students, uh, with bipolar, and or uh, schizophrenia, you know, when we know it's getting close to finals or something like that, or we know there's a transition, and sometimes we up the medicine a little bit, and then we can pull it back. Yes. Um, but yeah, to just say you're randomly manic, nah, man, like there's a difference between manic and like excited or ADHD, it's completely different things. Some of the same comorbidities, uh, you'll see bipolar is very common in families that have someone that's on the spectrum. Uh, schizophrenia or bipolar, you'll see that triad travels along in that family genome. Um, but just because they're comorbidities doesn't give anyone the right to kind of just say that. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, every time I think about bipolar disorder, when, when we were thinking about movies, I talked to Spencer. I wanted to get to, there's the movie, the TV show called Dave and his, the, the hype man that he's got, I forgot his name. You remember the hype man's name? Gator. Gator. He's bipolar. And there's one scene in season one where he talks about it and he just breaks and it is literally soul crushing watching him break mentally and, and just cry. Um, he breaks again in season three, like bad where he talks about just self hate and all that stuff. Um, and then there's one other movie that I wanted to get to for bipolar disorder. And then I just forgot it. I had, and I lost it, but so I've been wanting to get to bipolar for a while now. And it just so happens that you popped up and you're like, I want to do this. I'm like, oh, shit, well, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. And I appreciate you mentioning the triggers as well that kind of spike some of those uh, highs and lows. Uh, because I think a lot of people, including in my life, don't understand that the simplest of anything, like getting less sleep or my schedule changing or whatever it is, can actually trigger these highs and lows even being medicated. Um, even when you're using all the coping skills that you've had for all the years you've been in therapy and you're using your medication properly, these highs and lows still exist. Um, so you could be doing all the treatment in the world and you're still going to have these fluctuations here Except and that. there. So yep. It's very real. Oh man, you should see some of my kiddos that, uh, the cause I met Spencer in, in Minnesota. So a lot of my students weren't from Minnesota though. They're from Cali, Texas, other parts of the world. And so when they would go from this sunny, bright areas and they would come back, they would already be a little bit more manic when they came back to school for one, the transition and two, just all the sunlight and activity. Mm -hmm. And so that would spike them. Uh, so coming back for summer break or winter break was interesting. Uh, and they did, they did nothing wrong. There was nothing bad that they did. They just got overactivated and yes. the biochemistry got a little bit off. Next thing you know, we're like, so we're going up to meds. As they mm -hmm. became more veterans and they knew about the disorder, then they would titrate up a little bit before they went and then titrate back down after they settled back yeah. into school. Um, but there's ways to combat it. Mm -hmm. We'll get into it yep. when we get to the scenes, but uh, yes, her struggle and identifying like I'm going to have to work with this shit for the rest of my life and there's not really a cure model. 
is heartbreaking, but it's it's pretty much true for almost every diagnosis. Mm-hmm. People are like, I don't ever want to be anxious again. Well, like that shit's not going to happen. You're going to be anxious forever. You're just going to be able to manage it and be able to live a, a good life. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought it. I can't remember what the other damn bipolar movie was. I'll think of it. It'd be about 2 a.m., but I'll think of it. Yeah. Right. I, don't blame me. Let's record again. Skill. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, there's there's one. That's one. That's um, one, folks. That's one food mention. Uh, anything else that you wanted to add before we uh, Spencer intros? Kind of what were the scenes? Okay. No. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Take it so, away, Bob. Today we are taking a look at the movie The Year Between, and um, this follows uh, Clements um, and her family. Um, it's all about her um, going through being uh, bipolar. And um, so the first scene that we are taking a look at is actually um, where she's actually being diagnosed um, as bipolar. Um, so her mom had to come to uh, her college where she was and had to pick her up, had to pick her up. Um, Cause I believe she had like a, um, I don't know. She wasn't kicked out. She was mainly taking some time off from school or her mom. At the end, we kind of find out that her mom was like, all right, let's just give her a break. And so um, and so now she's kind of getting that diagnosis from this German woman. And um, she's laying out all of the different symptoms of bipolar disorder. And so um, and then we also kind of see her um, trying her medications and seeing the side effects from all of those medications, um, loss of hair, huge appetite, um, things like that. And nightmares, so, all types of stuff. Nightmares. Yeah. So um, first question, I would say, um, as someone who has who is bipolar, do you kind of see this as like realistic depiction of being bipolar yeah i would say that a lot of it is pretty spot on i think obviously we have to remember that everyone's experience is very different right Um, and so the extremes of one person's might not be an extreme for another person Um, but i do want to say that they did a really good job at depicting what a lot of people do go through kind of what it does kind of look like they got the highs and lows that kind of fluctuate throughout this um, they got kind of the, the substance use part as well, which is a big trigger for those that have this diagnosis. Um, and so they also portray her kind of getting off her medication because of that, and then kind of going back downhill. And I think that's a really important aspect too, because a lot of individuals will start medication and they'll start to feel better and they'll start to use substances again and take themselves off medication because you're cured. I don't need this. I feel good. And then you go back downhill. And that's a very real aspect of, I think any mental illness, but as well as bipolar, because you're up and down all the time. So when you feel stable, you're like, I don't need this anymore. And it's scary. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, uh, go ahead. I feel like it's pretty accurate from what I've seen. So some folks aren't going to have some little symptoms from the medication. Some folks, uh, side effects, I mean, some folks won't experience some of the symptoms of mania or dissociation or whatever, or whatever. Drug abuse, gambling, stealing, you might not have that. Um, mm-hmm. So you may, you may not. You may have some severity of it. It's going to be somewhere on that spectrum. And so it's good to keep in mind, as Lacey stated. 
if we're just looking at that scene, I just think about all my clients, specifically students that do medication for this one, uh, mm-hmm. for this and schizophrenia, um, but specifically for this one, because, you know, a lot of these are downers, uh, medication, they, they help you stabilize, but they make you very groggy, many of them. And then there's a cocktail and you got to change the cocktail over and over and over. I like to call it more of like a checks mix because it's a lot of different things and variations. Um, mm-hmm. And it can change over time. And one small little fluctuation can have you having horrific side effects. And I don't want to scare anyone away from medication. But, you know, you could have some outbreaks and some stuff. You could have, I've had people had little loss of sight and ability to control their hands are shaking or their jaws get locked. I mean, I've seen some stuff. Um, and then you adjust it, you go back down, you move it, and eventually you get to a good stage. Um, but when she was losing her hair and having the nightmares, she talked, she has some, uh, some sexual dysfunction issues later in the show. So I'll be mm-hmm. a real reasons on why my clients don't want to take the medicine. She even states in that first clip, well, I can't do no drugs or alcohol. I shit, might as well kill myself. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. You know, I've, I've heard that word for word. I've also heard when you know, talking to my boys, cause they're hella macho. When I talk about them getting on antidepressants or anti-anxiety meds, well, you know, hey, man, this might, you know, your thing might not work. And they say, well, hell, you might as well go ahead and kill me. And I'm like, well, brother, you sure about that? You, you, you know, you know, watch what you say in my office now, uh, right? Because you, when you think about things like this over time, it makes you actually feel like these saying these things is real. Like you may actually want to die by saying things like that out loud. Um, yes. And so sexual dysfunction can be curved. I think she says that they added, it was lithium, and then I think it was Lexapro, I think. Yeah. Lexapro is known to have less side effects, uh, less sexual dysfunction side effects. Uh, The lithium is not the one that I've seen a lot of my students on. Is it common? Yes. It was common a long time ago, too. I see a lot different ones now. Um, It's expensive. Feel like that's very accurate. She she said two hundred fifty dollars an hour. That's that's actually kind of cheap. It's usually somewhere three fifty to four fifty an hour. Uh, you know, it, it's tough uh, to work on this diagnosis, to stay healthy, to have the willpower, to also have the grace and forgiveness, to have the support of friends and others, to actually want to live and, and be at rock bottom at times, and to fuck things up. And then it's 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 tough. It's way different than depression. Um, so I feel like that I first also appreciate, scene. Go ahead. I appreciate you mentioning it's different than depression because when people see the depressive side of bipolar, I think that there's a misunderstanding as well that it's just like regular depression. But when this depression hits for especially BP uh, or BD2, So that one usually has more lows than it does the mania. Usually you don't reach mania, you reach hypomania, which is just a little bit less than that. The depressive side of stuff is very, very difficult. Um, A lot of individuals end up committing suicide or attempting suicide at some point in their life because of this. And it's not, it's not as, uh, the fix for it in the depressive side isn't as easy. And I shouldn't say it's easy, but as somebody with just regular generalized types of depression. They're at the highest, they're the highest, I wouldn't say the highest. I don't want to mix up any of the data. But they have some of the highest rates of suicide uh, attempts and completions, if I use that word very nicely, um, 
because when they're in that depression, most people, they can't get out of bed. They can't do stuff. It's almost impossible to do anything harming. But then a little bit of hypomania kicks in where they might be rapid cycling. Boom. Yes. And now we get into some danger. And so you take some of my clients that are also very neurodivergent and very black and white in some things. And you mix in already very depressive thoughts and then boom, enough energy. Now the black and white is now reality. Um, so, so, so a lot of folks don't know what rapid cycling is. Uh, so I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna ask you a question. So you're right. You got, you got bipolar disorder. And so, you know, people don't know how long does mania usually last? Is that like, you know, two days, one day, is there also this rapid thing? And what the hell is that? So, um, obviously it's different for everyone. I'll keep saying that. Um, I think mania, it, it all very much depends because somebody could be manic for a week or a month, right. Depending on if they're getting treated or on medication, even with medication, you can still reach these points. I always like to emphasize that too, because it's not, it's not linear. It goes up and down. Um, but the depressive side of stuff, especially for BD, Two, the second one, um, because you are usually more in that depressed stage, that one lasts a lot longer. Um, I have been diagnosed with the second one. So which give or take, I kind of believe, but also we don't know just because I have had my share of hospitalizations in the past where there have been some dangerous things that I've done well in that manic state, which we didn't know at the time. Um, and so I think that we take everything with a grain of salt. I think that they all kind of overlap in some sense, but I do have more of that depressive side of myself, meaning I am stuck, especially in the winter and these really low lows, even when I'm on medication and seeing a therapist. Mm. Um, some people don't understand that even on medication and seeing a therapist and doing whatever it's, you reach those lows still, and it is very hard to dig yourself out of. Um, but it is possible. It just takes a lot of inner work. A lot of that work comes from you. I'm going to try to remember this uh, when we get to the last scene. But what's the point if you're doing all this work, homie, and then, and then you still might not be guaranteed joy? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want you to speak on that now. We'll wait for the scene. But I could hear people listening like, well, shit, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Uh, last question, then we'll get back into the scene. I had a client once. Oh, damn, I'm losing it. Damn, I hate when this happens. Catch it. <laughs> I, had, I, I don't know. Well, I got you. I don't got you. Uh-huh. Like if you um, look in a light and then you close your eyes and you see that little squiggly thing coming down from your eye, you're like, I can grab it. No, you can't. It's no, not you can't. I can't get it. No, it's not there. I'm not going to get it. It's just like Rocky chasing that chicken or that, that, yeah, that chicken. <laughs> I ain't going to get it. Um, it was That's something about. <laughs> you got it, Rocky. Um, <laughs> it, was, it wasn't about rapid cycling. Oh, it happened twice today. Because um, I always get into the train of thought of completely listening to you. And if folks don't know, right, me being on the spectrum, my the way my mind works, I visualize everything in my head. And so it's like a motion picture in a movie. So whenever you say something, I see it as a human or you and then things happening. So when you say bipolar or sadness or hospitalization, I see like some random person getting dropped off at the hospital, people doing intakes yeah. with you. That's where mine goes within milliseconds. So sometimes the questions that I had while you were speaking vanish. Um one could say that's the ADHD. One could say that that's me being deeply in what you're saying. Um, okay. It'll come back to me. It was, it was a question about something. And then I had a client to relate to it. Oh, I can almost taste it now, but it's gone. Oh, there it well, is. Well, I can also mention, oh, you go first then, because I don't want you to lose it again. 
So you talked about some seasonal depressive, right, type of stuff on how, like, the winter. So one also has to be cautious on kind of their light exposure. So if you use a sad lamp, it's always been rule of thumb that, you know, if you do use it, you're not going to use, if you're bipolar, you're not supposed to use it, actually, because it could overstimulate you and bump you into mania. And if folks that aren't bipolar, you can use the sad lamps to get the light, but you're not supposed to use it after, like, noon or one. That way it doesn't keep you up all day. So whenever I'm, I'm testing out that seasonal depressive stuff, right, I'm like, huh, oh, what is this? And making sure that there's no genetic predisposition to bipolar because I don't want anything to unleash. Because I don't know what some of my students are doing drug-wise, alcohol-wise, too. So right, there's a lot of factors that I have to think about, uh, especially if they face any certain traumas or accidents. Um, so I just want to talk about the sad lamps because you said in the winter. So if you're bipolar, don't, don't, don't use the sad lamps. Yeah. Um, and then consult with your doctor or therapist if you're working with one. Uh, right, we can't give advice on here, but be cautious. Yeah. Go ahead. It's definitely like walking on thin ice sometimes because you just don't know what's going to trigger you sometimes, even when you know your triggers. Um, so that's also a scary aspect of the illness itself. But I was going to say rapid cycling. Never got to that. Um, mm-hmm. So rapid cycling is typically when somebody cycles a lot faster than normal between hypomania depression, mania, typically it's between hypomania and depression. Cause we don't, those highs, those really high manic things don't always happen. They happen longer term. Typically hypomania is the one that most people reach up and down. Um, and when we're cycling rapid cycling, it's just exactly how it sounds. Someone might cycle multiple times throughout the day. They might display more depressive symptoms while they're actually manic or vice versa. Um, so it's a very confusing state to be in because you might feel like you have a lot of energy, but still be really depressed or the other way around. It's, it's a tough thing to kind of grasp. And I think it's also tough for other people to grasp too. So, yeah. Good. Thank you. Uh, so this thing was good about diagnosing and she was like, well, I don't do all that shit. And she's thinking, and I got no super, you ain't got, you got, you got superpowers, but you don't actually have them. She's like, you bitch. Uh, so with you, mm-hmm. if you're okay at sharing anything, whatever you feel comfortable with, or some of the symptomologies that you noticed at a younger age uh, that you're like, or maybe that some people pointed out that you're like, damn, something's different here. Uh huh. Well, I started having depression symptoms probably in high school, like early high school, where you're kind of like, nobody else feels this way. Why do I feel this way? I'm alone. And it kind of spiraled out from there where I started engaging in some really not so great behaviors, including substance use, um, which I'm very open about. I'm now sober. So I don't use substances like that anymore. Obviously when you're in that stage, you don't realize how negative it can affect bipolar. Um, But once you're out of it, you can really, you think a lot more clearly about stuff. But a lot of my symptoms were definitely, it was the substance use. It was a lot of the depression. So it was a lot of kind of feeling not good enough, feeling like you don't have energy to do stuff. The mania side was definitely that dangerous behavior. Um, It also presents as OCD. It presents as the anxiety. I have anxiety. I have OCD as well. Those are comorbid diagnoses to bipolar. Um, And it just kind of presents in sometimes like ODD, oppositional defiance disorder, because a lot of times you're kind of all over the place scattered that you don't really like to listen to authority. And that was another diagnosis I also had when I was younger before they figured out it was the bipolar that was also affecting that. So um, kind of a whole handful of different things, but a big majority of mine, especially now is the anxiety. Um, Oftentimes my mind is going in circles 
um, even on medication where you can't slow down your thinking. And I don't think people understand just how difficult that is to be in a constant state of severe anxiety, even when on medication. But you're very good at masking it at some point. So people never know I have it. (laughs) Yeah. So have you ever tried just relaxing? Really? That works? You You ever tried a sauna? Yeah. Sweat it out. Sweat it out. Meditation you ever tried and yoga. Drinking water? What? What? Yeah. H2O. I think you're just dehydrated, honestly. Right. <laughs> yeah, you need some magnesium. <laughs> magnesium. That'll fix it. It will. Um, I make these jokes, everyone, for those that are not picking up on the uh, very harsh uh, sarcasm. Because um, these are things that people will tell other people with mental health issues. Uh, Okay, just relax. Or hey, it's not a big deal. And it's like, I wish I could relax. Do you think I want my thoughts to spin like this? Do you think I want to perseverate on these things and think about things? Do you think I want to stay up late? You think I want to feel like shit about myself? Do you think I want to not be in college like like her? Do you think Mm -hmm. I want to be seen as a bad daughter? To not hold a job? To not make money for my family? Right? Right. No one wants those things. Um, but people will be seen as like, oh, you're being dramatic. Eh, No. Um. So for you, uh, did you ever get slapped on uh, because there's a gender predisposition? Not, no, not predisposition. There's a gender bias towards women getting diagnosed with borderline personality. Did that ever get slapped? Uh, kind of like not being sure if I had that or bipolar kind of thing. Okay. Uh, so there was some questionable moments, um, which... I kind of think that I veer more towards obviously as a mental health professional, because I wouldn't just be telling myself this if I didn't know the diagnoses. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if I have BPD borderline. Um, I do think that I definitely align more with the bipolar just because of those severe highs and lows rather than it being personality because medication does help me for the most part. And that's another big factor is when you have BPD medication typically doesn't really assist with much because it is personality based. Mm -hmm. Whereas, bipolar is that chemical imbalance within the brain, meaning medication can usually try to level it out. Correct. So I want this to be very clear for any therapist listening, for anyone that's neurodivergent and specifically my young women that are paying attention is that folks will try to slap on a borderline personality disorder on you and you're on the spectrum and no bipolar at all, but because you may self harm or, or you may be overexpressive or dramatic or this or that, or I'm having meltdowns. They're like, oh, this person's borderline. I've heard mm-hmm. it just in the hallway. Oh, the, the, the doctor goes, oh, that person's borderline. I said, I can obviously tell that kid's autistic as hell. Uh, and that's a sweet young man that you just slapping on this label. And it's a very dangerous label because it seems derogatory. You know, everyone says, I dislike working with borderlines. I've quite enjoyed my time working with them. Um, with that population. And I, I don't always see where I, I get where some of the headaches are, but if you're trained at it and you know what to do, you know how to work with people, it's tough. And I ain't gonna lie, you'll get your heart broken with some of the clients. Um, but it's not up to you to change everyone's world. It's not up to you to fix everyone. So one thing to think about as a therapist, but for those, my women is such a gender bias. that If you have some of the symptomologies of bipolar, or being neurodivergent, the borderline will be slapped on. You yeah. don't have to necessarily fight back on that, but keep that in mind. Now, could it also be attached to you being uh, bipolar? Yes, because borderline, usually the biggest thing is some identity issues, who you are, being foundationally sound in that, and de- deregulating. So you could be a little borderlining. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And bipolar. 
Because how can you have a fixed a sound identity if there's so many things going on? And if you're masking all the time as neurodivergent, the identity's not going to be fully solid. And then you have your meltdown. So there's some borderline-y things. But don't always just take that diagnosis if you're listening to the podcast. Listen, talk, ask some questions, right? Think about the mood dysregulation, medications, like you said. I just want to make sure that's yeah. clear for folks. Because uh, it's one of the biggest pet peeves of mine is when the therapist is like, oh, they're borderline. Don't worry about them. I'm not going to get any better. I'm like, this kid, this kid's autistic. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you know? I said, I said, the damn kid walking on the tiptoes the whole way, the whole damn time. Like, you tell me what borderline's doing that. Uh, that's just one symptom of one human. Um, and I remember they fought me to death on the diagnosis of autism. Uh and they eventually they agreed with it. Uh, and uh, they opened up about a lot of different things with me. And I remember I got them to get hospitalized first time ever. She, she trusted me. Um, you got to stop slapping labels on people, man, and meet them where they're at. Uh, show them some respect instead of just pathologizing everything. You can pathologize yes. anything. I was talking to a human the other day about just something random. Some small things. And they said, we can pathologize this. But I'm like, brother, this is just normal shit that people are anxious about. Um, All right. I'm off my soapbox now. I just don't like the gender bias on the thing. I want to make sure that's clear. Because a large population that listen to us, 25 to 44-year-old women identifying LGBTQ neurodivergently. So just want to make that clear. I didn't know the hair loss thing when it comes to the medication. Is that a common thing? So it can be. Um, I will say from experience, when I take a shower, sometimes even now, I will have clumps of hair that come out. I do have a lot of hair on my head, so I'm fine. But it is shocking, I think, for some people that even friends of mine that have kind of seen that kind of aspect of stuff happen where they're like, man, that doesn't happen to me. And I'm like, well, when you're on such heavy medication um, Mm -hmm. for this diagnosis, because typically you're on more than one. I'm on two medications right now, morning and night. And it does play a big factor in hair loss, as well as kind of the symptoms of being tired all the time, or um, the restrictive binge eating cycle, which I tend to go through as well seasonally, um, which is kind of, it's annoying. All of this stuff, I mean, it takes a lot of work to kind of get through because like we said, it's kind of comorbid with a bunch of different other diagnoses. So you're not just battling one, you're also battling all the other symptoms from the other ones. Yeah. You, uh, anyone ever asked you if you're on a spectrum? Me? I'm not saying that I you mean, are. I just ask every no. person that comes on. So no, no, Let's but see. I also wonder that too. I mean, I've worked around it enough that sometimes I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I never looked into it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Dr. Nas is here to tell you. <laughs> Everyone that comes on the podcast, tell them. Diagnose me. Diagnose me. No. Well, you know, it can be free. Um, but there's just so many comorbidities uh yes. and things that you've stated and said. I mean, you and some of the things that I identified with the ODD, the depression when I was younger and all that, and then you find out the ADHD, then you're like, oh, yeah. I'm autistic. And that's what was going on. Uh, oh, got it. The other day I mm-hmm. walked into a, well, I was in Washington, D.C., Spence, and I walked into the Natural Space Museum. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, hell no. There's kids running around and screaming. There's people everywhere, man. That's like, you're supposed to spend eight hours in there. Me and Slim got out within an hour and a half. I sat down and I was like having a panic attack. 
Fuck that this. sounds like me, truly. I cannot, and I don't know if the anxiety or what, but I cannot stand loud places being super crowded. Like if I'm at a concert, I will dance on the side. I will not be in that crowd. Ain't no way I'll panic. Yeah. Yeah. And also hit seats. You mentioned ADHD as well. Um, being kind of comorbid as well with autism kind of mimicking each other. And it's the same with bipolar because ADHD is often sometimes diagnosed before we get to that diagnosis of bipolar, because there is aspects of there's memory issues, there's learning difficulties, um, kind of everything that ADHD encompasses where your thoughts are also racing and you can't constantly pay attention. So a lot of people with this diagnosis will get extra assistance in school. Like I did, I had a note taker. I had extra time on exams, extra time on papers, um, and I think it's important to recognize that's important. Take advantage of it. Um, I think that we all deserve to be successful. And if that means getting a little bit of extra assistance, then you should take it. Well, it's about equity in education. And so um, I'm going to say this joke, but have, did you try just, did you think about just trying harder in school? Ugh, all the time. Why didn't I think of that before? I should I have done it. And see, that's another thing, like going back to it again. Yes, because I'm told all the time too, oh, come on, just snap out of it. Just do this, do that. And I think to other people, they're helping you. But in my head or anyone else's head that gets told those things, you're like, man, if I, if that were to have worked, don't you think I'd be doing it now? Don't you think I would have snapped out of it and done these types of things to fix myself? But that's not how it works. What it does is further invalidate the human and further shame the human. And what we know about shame is it, it deepens the hold of depression and then increases your chances of self-harm, risky behavior, yes. alcohol and drug usage. And so I'm not saying enable anyone. I'm just saying that be careful on advice giving. Yeah. And if you want to do something, do what I've been doing my best to do for the last two to three years with friends and my groups that I lead. So ask for consent first. Mm-hmm. Even in relationships, when I'm working with married couples or, or you know partners, do you, you want me just to support you right now? What are we looking for? Or you want some advice or solution focused, or you just want to just kind of sit here and just be pissed off? And then me, yeah. you know, just t- what do you want me to do? And then let them buy into it. Now they'll take your advice yeah. when there's more consent and they have buy-in. They're asking you for it instead of you just shoving it down their throat. Mm-hmm. Um we talk about that a lot specifically because a lot of our neurodivergent folks are solutions focused and so be like, I can fix it. And the partner's like, no, I don't want you to fix it. Right. Um, so thanks. Thanks to think about. Um, you're good with all the rapid questions that I'm kind of doing and picking your brain. Yeah. Okay, good. Cause we, we haven't yet to talk about bipolar disorder. So this is an exciting episode. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into the the two cut scenes with the therapist, the young African-American black gentleman and then the German woman towards the end. Kind of intro those right. scenes and let's kind of chop those up about therapy. Yeah. So um, with these scenes, um, so Clemens makes a um, kind of like a joke in a way, but um, she says like, why don't I just like kill myself or whatever? And then... Um, the German one who is actually, uh, I believe she's actually a psychiatrist, um, actually um, says like, well, actually, I want you to go to therapy now. So now um, Clements is in therapy, um, being able to try and talk through her feelings in her, in her own way, in her, 
in her own way right yeah. and so um we see him as a therapist um this gentleman he he's he likes writing things down on his, on his ipad yeah doesn't say much writes a lot though he writes a lot um i kind of want to get <laughs> your uh i want to get both of your experiences with that like in terms of like your style of therapy, what, how do you kind of go about um, talking with your clients? Um, do you like to write things down a lot? Or do you kind of just go into the moment and actually, you know, speak with them about what they're saying and things like that? I'd love to know. Yeah. Well, um, I know for myself, when I first started in the field, uh, taking notes was very hard as well, just because you're kind of having to process so much different stuff. Um, but it was helpful to start out. I think as you get more experienced and you've talked to enough people and kind of sat in sessions and listened, you build up more of those listening skills where you don't have to constantly take notes. Um, cause don't forget we're seeing multiple clients typically back to back. And then we have to do our case notes at some point throughout the day, meaning, some of those sessions might blur together, which is why I think some people take notes. But once you get the hang of it, like I don't take as many notes now because I can differentiate and remember the important parts of a client's session. Yeah. I tried to take notes and it went horrific. Can't listen, can't pay attention. I just can't do it. I can't do both. And my brain doesn't work like that. The only time I will take notes is when I'm in the intake. So when I'm in the initial intake and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to remember, you know, your birthdays and the medication that you're on or, you know, how your uncle, your uncle got bipolar disorder and all that stuff. I'm not going to remember that and, and try to put it all together in what we call the biopsychosocial. So that stuff, some of the peripheral stuff, like, you know, how many siblings you got? Are you more connected to your mother or your father? Um, you know, what's your uh, religious background? Like there's so much that we have to take in that some of the, that stuff I'll date and put down, right? And mark it down. Then I'll put it in the note later in the day. Um, in my day-to-day -day sessions, not much. The only time I take extensive notes mm -hmm. afterwards is when there's suicidality, self-harm, or like some type of dangerous behavior towards them or others. That's when the documentation, documentation is tight. Yeah. Um, but again, that's after. Mm -hmm. uh, only, only during my intakes do I write a smidge. And that's just to give me like an outline of what's going on. This prototypical therapist writing the entire time, that's just a movie thing. Uh, that's all cinema. Okay. It's purely cinema. Right. I don't know too many people that take that many notes in a session. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's be honest, we hate taking notes. That's like the worst part of our job. There's no way you want to write notes and then write more notes. Yeah. The only way you'll do that is if you have a laptop and then you might jot down a few things while talking to them because you're a fast typer. That again with being dyslexic, that's not me. Um Yeah. And I can't spell worth a damn. Uh, the other day I was like, man, I wish I could spell cologne. And, and, and you know, when I text people, you got any cologne? I'm like, you got any smell good? And they're like, what the hell is smell good? <laughs> You have any axe body spray, please? Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Three letters. That's all you need. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you. So so it's tough. So I don't take notes. Um, so but his personality mm -hmm. and stoicism, yeah, or just parroting and reflecting. We talked about in the last podcast mm -hmm. with Anna on how that's yeah. kind of like a thing. And uh it's not mine. Uh, more rapid questions. Yeah. Uh 
and I'm trying to get deeper, deeper, deeper under the layers, under the layers, under the layers, and pick at it. Um, mm-hmm. Lacey, you talked about, you know, you've got some clients that don't talk much. And when you're working folks on the spectrum, very common. But then I also got some folks on the spectrum that just talk too damn much like me. And then I have to cut them off. Uh, yeah. So as you get your swag, your confidence about you as a therapist, you get better at just cutting people off. And you get mm-hmm. better at prying things out of people. Yeah. The key is what makes them talk. And that's mm-hmm. when you start looking at special interests. Yes. So is it video games? Is it art? Is it music? Is it is it shoes like Spence? Is it murder toys, dolls like Lacey? Oh, I thought you were just going to say murder. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, right. <laughs> not me. I'm not into okay. murder. But... Well, I not mean, yet. Not yet, yeah. right. <laughs> I feel like them toys are tricking you into it. You know what I mean? It's like how like, rap music's poisoning the black and brown community. You know, it's making oh us my God. crazy. Yeah. That's that was a joke, bro. That was a joke. <laughs> I just don't understand is... why it's got like three teeth. I don't. I know. That's what I was about to say. I was like, damn, like couldn't grow more. Shit. <laughs> Do they get knocked out? Do they get shot with something? Uh... Does it just like gnaw with its gums? Like, I feel like that's worse. That's creepier than the teeth. I'd be like, just bite me. Jesus. <laughs> so quickly, where, Lacey, where do you buy these at? These ain't, these ain't at Walmart. Etsy. No. Amazon. Etsy, all the way because you've got to support Etsy. other artists. Duh. <laughs> supporting local business supporting about, all the scary things <laughs> I'm about to call the FBI on them and, and all your friends <laughs> I'm joking Dexter uh, 2.0 yeah. <laughs> hey right I got a bunch of stuffed animals too and people are like you're going to end up killing people one day and I'm like I guess we'll find <laughs> out yeah <laughs> with a stuffed animal they were found with a <laughs> Oscar that's the Grouch funny. yeah <laughs> that's my signature He's like, take a picture oh, of the thumbs up. <laughs> For all all of you that listen to crime podcasts and murder podcasts, I'm sure you're fine with this conversation. For those of you that are very visual like me, I do apologize. Because um, I know you might visualize some of these things uh, and be like, what the hell, Nas? Like, it's fine. Yeah. Try um, not to. Yes, try not to. Also, that doll was the worst thing you could have showed me. It was, and here it goes. Oh, that's worse. That's so much worse. That's like a clown face too. It's a clown and a scary doll. Like a scarecrow clown. It looks like real hair too. There used to be this show. Uh It's not we were not toy soldiers because that was fun. Toy soldiers was good. Was fun, but there was this other. I looked it up a while ago, and it was when they all these little puppet marionettes thingies, and they were all. It was a horror movie. All these little puppets. I forgot what it was called. Puppet Probably master so or something like that? I don't know. Probably. Oh, My dad used I to have a, actually a, I think it was actually a Pee Wee Herman uh, puppet. And my my sister, it was before I was born, so my sister would get freaked out by the little Pee Wee Herman marionette doll just sitting nope. there. Couldn't do it. I get freaked <laughs> out with like shadows and stuff to this day. Like sometimes I'll hang my shirts when they're when they're drying. <laughs> On the microphone here, and like I'll be in the kitchen getting some food, and I'll walk back to my room. I'm like, damn, <laughs> it's just my shirt. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'm too jumpy, man. Um, Fair enough. All right. Fair so this this scene, mm-hmm. you know, they're with him. They're trying to get some therapy. They're like, I don't even know why I need therapy. Yeah. I'm like, well, you need therapy because you 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 wilding out. Just 
and people love you and they want you to get help. And it looks like you want to get help. Otherwise you wouldn't have showed up to this damn appointment. And she's avoided. Uh, and even though she acts like an asshole most of the time and sarcastic most of the time, she cares a lot about her life, about her family's life. And you see that throughout the entire film and you see the shame throughout the entire film. Um, so you may see that with a lot of clients that are bipolar, or other diagnosis that, you know, nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. I'll figure it out. Uh, you know, maybe you will, but also seeking support would probably be the faster route. Um, so that's what I thought about in there. The resistance. Also, no, I would have fun with the client like them because, you know, I'd be talking some shit. I, and then and, and they like to talk shit and they seem kind of ADHD. So I'd be having some fun with them. And then at the end, I would hit them with, this is what you got to do this week. This is the plan. This is the medication, right? I would strategize with them as a team, but I know we would, we would be having some fun and talking some shit. So maybe that wouldn't be helpful for them because maybe they just need to talk uh, and they need someone to wait them out. But I wouldn't do that. I would lure them in. <laughs> I got you now. They're fun. Um, that's what I would do. Mm. But I don't know, uh, Lacey. Have you ever had any individuals that were just like extremely resistant, and not like neurodivergent, just kind of shy, but just like resistant? Yes, yes, and that's difficult too because oftentimes, as well, you have to determine if they're even ready for services too. Then, because if somebody's not willing to put in the work and talk we're not any help, right? Cause we're here to guide you and kind of help you progress, progress into your life. And if you're not talking, what are, what's our purpose, right? Cause we don't know you until you kind of engage with us. So, um, yes, I've had resistant clients that I've had to determine if they're eligible for services or if we have to put them on a wait list or come back when they are ready to talk. And it's, it's difficult sitting in a lot of silence sometimes as well. I'm good at that. I'll sit in silence and make it really awkward until you want to say something. I'm not the best. with It, it. happens. You got to talk at some point. It's true. I'm not the best with it. Now, if they're being little turds, well, then I'll make them mm -hmm. sit in and I'm cool with that. But, uh, you know, I like to get my money's worth if I'm intrigued. Because it's yeah. always like a challenge. It's always like this, mm -hmm. this, this, this game that we're playing and we're two boxers in a ring, moving and countering and jabbing. And it's only a matter of time before, right, I wear you out because I've been playing this game for years. You just now work with someone yeah. at my mental capacity. So, you know, for me, it's a little fun. I've had it where... You know, they were being a little shit and they were mad at me. And I said, hey, you're mandated to therapy. So you're going to sit there. So I did him like the Denzel Washington when he's a therapist in this uh, Antoine Fisher. Well, you're going to sit there and when you're ready to talk, we'll talk. And they just went to sleep on my sofa. And they said, uh, what now? I said, I'll see you next week. Then the next time mm -hmm. they went to sleep again and they apologized for themselves being a shit the second time. Which was good. And they were bipolar. Um and some things were happening and, you know, some, some sad, scary stuff happened. Good kid. Good kid. Uh, but they're drinking and, and drugs, you know, make some poor choices. Uh, yeah. So it happens. Resistant. You're right. Ready for care. You got to be ready for care. Yes, absolutely. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you just need to plant the seed. 
Sometimes it just takes different types of seasoned therapist, right? So sometimes they need someone like you, someone like me, someone like Spence, someone completely different than us, right? Who knows? Sometimes my clients that are resistant to doing any change at all will hear something from some random person at a party or a wedding. They'll be like, hey, Nuts, you ever uh, think about this? And like, this really helps. Hey, are you a nerd? Do you like pins? If you're like any of our followers and you said yes, you should check out our collaboration with Pinfinity. They have Power Rangers pins, Transformers pins, and for all of our bronies out there, My Little Pony pins. Go check out our link tree or use our code DSP to get 20% off your Pinfinity order today. Help me. I'm like, I've been telling you that shit for three years. Fuck you and that person at the wedding. <laughs> Uh, I've been there, man. They 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 go, yeah. They, they told me something at the wedding, and it really worked. You shitting me? Uh, I'm transferring you to a different therapist. I'm done with you. Lit last session. Get yeah, out. But it, it's awesome. I love when students are in psychology classes and they're doing therapy because they think that they're like keeping up with you. And all. I just learned this. I'm like, okay, you're not schizophrenic, but you know. I'm glad that you're learning stuff. <laughs> I just learned how all parents are terrible. Well, facts. Um, True. So, <laughs> what a pops. <laughs> oh, my God. All parents are terrible that I'm currently living with and right next door. <laughs> yeah. And I there it goes, Grouch. I know. I saw it. That was dead. Yeah. <laughs> does not agree with your sentiments even though he's in a trash can yep <laughs> um <laughs> so okay so there's that scene and then there's the other therapy scene which was the german woman so talk yes. about that real quick and let's talk about that yeah so this is after um clemens found out that her mom has cancer also after um this party that she went to that we're going to get to in a little bit um and if you don't know she shaved her head during the uh Right in the middle of the movie, right in the middle of the scenes that we watch. So it's like, she has hair. Oh, she doesn't. There you go. Um, so she decided to shave her head and she actually did a pretty good job. I'm not gonna lie. She uh she did pretty good. I can't, I couldn't do that. Nope, wouldn't even try. Um, so now the therapist, so after Clements was, you know, drinking and then also um taking Adderall, um she finally, and actually, before I get to that, um, I will say that during these, before the party scene, she actually stopped going to her um, psychiatrist and also stopped going to her therapy session as yep. well. Um, maybe it was just like a little prelude to her going to the party. She was like, I'm not even going to bring this up. I'm not going to talk to them about it. It's just not going to happen. Um, they're not going to talk me out of doing this. Right. And so, um, after the party and now the um, psychiatrist is telling her that this is work. It's not, you're not going to get better by not, you know, taking your med, by not taking your medication, um, by doing all these other things, by taking other drugs, by drinking and things like that. You really have to put in the work and it's not just going to just go away. Um, which Clemens is just, she's, not resistant, but it's more about she's just it's hard work, right? It's hard work um, going through all of this. And so we're kind of seeing this um, 
kind of revelation i think with clements where she's like okay i really have to start you know putting the work in because i do have a family that loves me and that wants to see me get better um so question is have you had these clients before that kind of you know thought that maybe they were getting better and things like that and then they might have had like a little bit of a drop-off point and then now you kind of have to really get them back into the groove of things um have you had those before and if so please talk about what you can well i think that it's it happens a lot more often than people think I think we do a lot of hard work with a client and they reciprocate it back most of the time. Sometimes they don't want to, but when they do, when we make progress, a lot of times we go backwards a few steps and it's awfully frustrating. I think probably on both ends of, you know, the situation because the client then has to do all this other work again. And so does the therapist. It's a lot of repetition. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had a client who, progressed in treatment and was doing really well and utilizing all the skills that we worked on. And out of nowhere, they came back into the session and it literally was just like a whole 180 of, we just went right back to where we started. Um, and it's frustrating because it is just, like I said, repetition. Um, and sometimes clients also don't want to do that work again because they've already done it. So they're like, well, now I'm back at square one. Why do I have to do that again? It didn't work. Why would I do it again? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's so defeating is the word. Yes, it's like with some of my clients. Maybe many of you will understand this. Uh, it doesn't matter if you know divergent or not. It's like you you date, and then you get your heart destroyed. Why would you want to date again and go through all that again? Mm-hmm. Then you have to talk to someone. And, and one of my neurodivergent clients is you have to go meet someone and where, and then I have to do all the small talk. And it's just like fuck it, I'll just be alone, and and and, and that's fine. And for that, um, but when it comes to therapy, it's technically fine, but it's not fine. Uh, you know, it's a setback. It's always part mm-hmm. of treatment, the relapse, uh, and then getting momentum to get back on uh, the track on the course. But perfection is not what we're striving for. It's just to continue moving forward. I used to have this whiteboard in my office that students would write quotes. They would write to the other students in the office. Most of them were quotes or little things. And uh, one of my boys started it, neurodivergent uh, on, a special, so on the spectrum of bipolar. And I never really saw the bipolar come out. I seen it come out later on, but I didn't see it come out much in the earlier days. And uh, he wrote something on the board. He said, Nas, even if they fall and they face plant, they still fell forward. So that counts as progress. I'm like, my man. I said, write that shit down on the board. He said, okay. And he wrote it down. And many people, it was the first line, so it was the first thing that always got read when clients would add to the board, is even if you fall on your face, you're still moving forward. And I think that's something to keep in mind. It's not linear like you said. It's going to be a lot of hiccups and ups and downs and sideways. I mean, that's life. None of us are really that blessed and privileged. A couple of us are. But most of us, if you listen Mm -hmm. to this podcast, you probably done been through some shit and you're struggling or you're going through some shit right now. And it's not just up, up, up. It's a lot of stagnation and plateaus and going back. Uh, so I get why she doesn't want to do it anymore. I get how maybe she didn't want to have the shame of telling the therapist that she messed up and she drank. Maybe she wanted to self-sabotage. 
Well, who knows? Maybe she didn't want to be talked about. Who knows what was going through their mind at that time? But it's very common. Story time. Uh, a human recently told me, you know, they said, I didn't want to book with you. So what's up? Why not? Well, last time we met, you know, I was good. And then now I'm back seeing you. So I've I've failed you. I failed myself and thus I have failed you. And I am completely ashamed to be sitting in front of you right now. It's like, Jesus Christ, kid. You know what I thought when I saw your name on the fucking on the list of people today? I was happy. I was excited. I enjoy you as a human. Like you are legitimately fun to talk to. FYI, you're autistic as hell, but you know, you don't accept that part. But we'll get to that later. Um with love, I say that statement. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. I think a lot of people think the therapist will be extremely disappointed. Most of the time we're not. Uh, is some part of us a little sad because we want you to succeed? Yes. I'm not, not going to lie. You're not supposed to have feelings and all that stuff. No, no, no. It hurts a little. But most of the time, we got your back. Because when the world doesn't have your back, we got your back. And I would tell all my clients that, uh, that were BPD, alcohol and drug issues, right? That were struggling with ADHD, failing out of school. I'm like, life is shitty. I'm not going to be the one to treat you like shit. I'm also not going to be super, super nice. I'm going to push you a little bit now. But I got your back no matter what at the end of the day. So when shit hits the fan, my big ass going to be sitting in the same chair you've seen me for the last three years. Ain't going nowhere. When everyone else leaves me and treats me like shit, well, you know, I may treat you like shit, but I ain't going nowhere. That's a joke. Um... It's hard to build trust with some of these people that have been hurt and they, they don't value any of their own feelings. And so they can't even trust themselves. So this scene was a powerful scene to me. And that's why I wanted to do this specific one. And she gets momentum and she starts getting better and she, her hair grows, looks like she does okay at the job stuff. She applies to college relationship with her mom gets better. Like everything gets better. She's doing the dishes and stuff. Like it's a happy ending at the end. They tied a good bow on it. Uh, I'm going to get to you now, Lacey. So did you ever hit any of those moments where you're like, man, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. This is fucking pointless. Um, So a lot of times as well, I think people don't understand that because bipolar has those really low lows, that's worse than just regular depression, if that's one way we can put it for everyone listening. Um. There's a lot of intrusive thoughts that go along with those types of symptoms, um, and they're very real, and they tell you very, very intense things, um, and it's hard to deal with. Um, and so now I'm losing my train of thought. This is great. You guys are <laughs> passing it on to me. What the heck? You got the tism. What the heck? Um, okay. So yes, um, I've had my own fair share with struggling with the whole process as well of being seen for therapy and needing to take meds. Even now when I have to up my, my meds, which I've become very okay with, I think it's important if you start to notice that you're being higher than normal or lower than normal, even if it's just because of stress or a change in life, tell your psychiatrist, have them up your dosage for a little bit. It doesn't have to be permanent. I just upped mine and it's helping me a lot, but you have to be the one that initiates that. And it's still sad. I think it's sad and scary sometimes to just think like, wow, 
my meds keep going up. This is my life. You know, I'm going to be on 50 pills a day with the, you know, how this is going. I can't believe that there's no cure for this. And I have to constantly do this work. Um, and so I want people to know they're not alone in those thoughts and feelings. And I think this goes for a lot of other diagnoses, but I know that a lot with bipolar, it is a lot of work. It's like twice the amount of work because you're now dealing with all these comorbid diagnoses, as well as the highs and the lows, which some people only have the lows in their life, right? With depression, or maybe you're, an you're anxious. So maybe you do some of these impulsive stuff, but when you're mixed, it is a lot of work and it's scary, but it is possible. I mean example right here right i have my master's degree in counseling i'm a, a successful therapist right now i've passed my exams for licensure and i think that it is possible if we put in the work but you got to put in the work i'm trying to think on how to word this to be careful uh and protect you so what helped you get out of some of your lowest moments I don't need to, I don't want to know the lowest moments, but mm -hmm. what, what helped? Was it friends, family? Was it music? Was it, you know, you were going to school and thinking about helping other people? Was it you trying to prove the doubters wrong? Like, fuck you. I got this. What was that? What was that thing that got you like one more step? And I, and, one, and then one more step. Yeah. So even after my undergrad, so before grad school started, I was still kind of engaging in some behaviors that weren't so healthy for myself, especially with this diagnosis. Um, and just like you said, being able to help others actually led me to where I'm at right now. Once I started grad school, I kind of took that uh, step back and did a lot of inner work and dove deep in myself to kind of see where I was at so that I could help others in the future. Cause if I wasn't helping myself, I wouldn't be able to help others. So if someone came to me with similar issues, how am I to give them advice if I'm not taking it myself? Um, so I did a lot of inner work and I stopped doing all of the things that I was doing in the past. And I sat with myself and dealt with my feelings for a while. And I think it made me more comfortable to sit with these feelings and accept them for what they are, even if it means I'm sad for multiple days at a time for the same situation that I know isn't true. Um, we're allowed to feel those things. And I think it helps us grow as well. But that's kind of how I ended up where I'm at now. And obviously, seeing my clients helps me continue to do that. Because I'm also witnessing and I don't want this to come off in the wrong way, but I'm witnessing some of those lows that people are experiencing as well. We take on a lot of that stuff. It's hard work. And so with that being said, I might leave sessions feeling really drained. I might leave crying one day just because we are taking on a lot of emotions. Same. Um, and so with that being said, we have to take care of ourselves at the end of the day too. So as okay. hard as sometimes this job is, it helps you with some of that self-care too. Okay. Good, 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 good. Uh, there's different things that motivate people. There's different bottoms. There's different motivations. There's different passions, faiths, mm -hmm. goals. There's just so many different things that motivate people. And sometimes you're just finding it. Uh, and that's the tricky part of therapy. It's a tricky part for a lot of my neurodivergent clients is what's the point? What's the purpose? Why am I here? They think so deeply, so profoundly, many of them. Uh, many, many folks are ignorant too, and they don't think about anything, but many of my clients are very deep thinkers. And what am I here? What am I doing this for? It leads to a lot of suicidality because they come to the conclusion that there is no point, there is no meaning. And so mm -hmm. then we end up having a very existential talk about, you know, nihilism and a few other things. Uh, 
And then you mix in some severe mental health issues and that convolutes things. And so finding motivation can be tough. You mix bipolar on it because now you've got a handicap. Now you've got this thing, this barrier to you living a quote unquote normal life. And life is already hard. Mm -hmm. So now you mix that on top of maybe your identity as being, you know, LGBTQ, as being black or brown in America, as having other learning disabilities. You know, who knows uh, what other barriers there are, but it almost makes life in finding joy impossible or improbable. So what I'm going to say is, is I ain't mad at you if you say, hey, man, I'm depressed and like have some suicidal thoughts and feelings. Completely valid. I'm not going to shame anyone for that, um, but I'm going to push you towards maybe having some better thoughts, more positive thoughts, maybe a better outlook. But the feelings are valid because life fucking sucks. And like we just mm -hmm. talked about an inside out, Spence, you know, joy and there's all happy and shit all the time. That's not reality. We're not always mm -hmm. joy and happy. Um, and to put on that mask of always being joyful and happy or being a caregiver or trying to keep all your shit together for everyone else, even though your mind is racing you and betraying you and telling you to sabotage in almost every way, it's just tough. Um, so I'm doing this to validate people. Uh, last question, then we'll get to the other scene. Did you ever think that you would be on the other side? Me? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, maybe not at the very beginning. I kind of fell in love with my profession. That is my profession now. I fell in love with it when I was in the hospital in high school and kind of started my journey into getting this diagnosis where I had my own art therapist um, that I gravitated towards and actually felt really confident with and helped guide me. I've always been into art. And so with that being said, I always had this idea that maybe I would end up where I'm at now. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know until college actually, when I chose a field and then hated it and was like, man, what do I do with myself? And I decided to do art school because I was like, well, screw what other people say. I'll find a career in art. And sure enough, I found my passion for psychology again, which I had taken kind of in high school. Like most people say, Oh, I know psychology. I took it in high school. And you're like, okay, well, that's like the intro stuff. Um, but that kind of led me into, well, you know what, maybe I could give back to people. And like I said, I think it helped guide me a little bit into figuring out how to manage my own mental health, because I think sometimes you need to have that goal or that passion to even reach that point. It's helpful. You're going to hit a few points, milestones in your career, where you'll tabulate the people that you've helped. You know, the people that you stop from any severe things or bad choices, suicidality, you'll see people that succeed in classes, that go to college, that just function daily okay, um, that have joy, that smile more than what they used to. You'll start to tabulate and the numbers will start to add up and then you'll start to get new jobs and then you'll start to get raises and you'll continuously get the affirmation, validation. People will write you letters and give you gifts, your neurodivergent yes. clients, because there will be gifts. Um and it and it'll break you down in a good way. Well, you'll just look back on it and you'll just be sitting there in a puddle of tears, like, holy shit, I did pretty good. And I thought I was gonna die. But I did pretty yeah. good. Look at look at me now, Ma. It's one of those really cool meta moments where you know you always tell people to be mindful. I was talking to a homie recently that, and what we talked about in the last pod, but it got destroyed because of all the audio, but 
He's a diversity, equity, inclusion officer at the Colts. And I said, you ever think about how cool this is that me and you are at this stage in life? Not too long ago, we was damn near homeless. I was homeless. We had housing insecurity, tons of horrible things. We doing stuff to make money. And now I'm making the most money I've ever made. I'm doing pretty good. My brother's health issues are good. My dad's somewhat stable. Like, you know, life is pretty good. Um, then you get a little bit of survivor's guilt. Just cool to think about. So I challenge you in the coming months, years, decades to sit back and reflect on the shit that you've been through and how, you know, like Anna said in her last podcast and how maybe it meant something, some of the shit you went through and you helped save some lives. But maybe you didn't need to go through that. Or maybe just how the simple things of you just being kind change someone's lives. The other day I helped someone pick something up in, in Costco. I couldn't believe she came up to me. She was she had to have been terrified. I'm a terrifying individual. And she came up to me and then she dropped it and then it fell on the floor. I was completely embarrassed. And then I had my best friend come over and lift the damn thing up and then we put it in there. Small things like that add up too. You don't need to be a therapist, people. You don't need to help save someone's life. Small things mean something. But you can change someone's day. And for me, I like helping people because it makes you think about my race differently. As being Mexican and Arab and probably people thinking that I'm black. If I am good and kind, then you might end up changing some of your opinions on our race, our culture, my gender. Naj, you, you're actually a good... I hate all men. One of my clients recently told me, I hate all men. Well, you know, you're not that bad, Naj. I liked you. And you're like, you're a really good counselor. I said, see, we ain't all bad. She said, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? Point five percent. Yeah, I said, well, fuck you too. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it feels really good to get those affirmations, specifically from people that have been hurt from or are scared of people that look like me or my gender, my representation. Don't forget about that, homie. I'm not trying to baptize you with no therapy right now. I'm just letting you know all the counselors I work with that are young, some cool ass moments. I remember one time I was riding a bike. I'm like, damn, life is pretty good. I'm just sitting there crying and shit, riding my bike. People are like, why is this fat man crying? Uh, I'm sorry. That's I a visual. Thought, I almost thought about the ice cream store. That's the second ice cream thing, the food thing. Yeah. I always pass the damn ice cream store. Like, why are you halfway talking over, to me? folks. Yep, halfway over. All right. This last scene. Yes, I'm gonna let you take the take the lead on this. Uh, well, Spence and then Lacey will take the lead on this because this is a more yes. powerful one about about substance use. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, like I said before, uh, Clements um, was not going to her therapy and uh, her and her psychiatrist appointments, and uh, probably stopped taking her meds as well um, for this party that one of her. Um, co-workers was having and so um she brought her clint clemens brought her sister along um and then they started drinking um and then she met up with this uh this guy ashik um who um uh, is a drug dealer he does the drugs and so uh and so now he, they're taking adderall uh, at the party and now she's really kind of just spiraling um and uh probably hitting a low hitting a low right now and um 
yeah so um it's 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 interesting right of having this moment of she's not taking her meds and then also now she's taking other drugs and then drinking um pretty heavily too so um really kind of puts it into perspective of how um how easily you can kind of go down that lane right um either to fit in or maybe you know maybe she was nervous and you know started drinking that way too could have been maybe um but yeah very interesting scene especially like you said when it comes to substance abuse things like that so i thought yeah. about her stabbing the damn beer so like, jesus christ yeah, also did not know how to shotgun a beer that's that's uh that's rookie year type of stuff right there you know? i don't even know if i was ever able to do that though <laughs> yeah I've, I've never tried never tried i can I, shotgun a soda yeah, right. i had a shotgun once uh i remember oh, it was for us it was the beer bongs where you get the hose yeah. or you get the the, the funnel and the hose yeah i remember doing that with a with a 40 ounce of some more liquor i'm i i did not wake up the next day <laughs> i did two of them they, yeah well i'm a big boy and we was putting it down there was also some depression that was going on because we was going through some shit back then uh i had just freshly gotten yeah. kicked out of college and you know and, and arrested so it was some stuff and yeah, my boy's yeah. parents you know going through cancer so it was intense but we were drinking but, and i hit them 240s real quick to steel reserve 211s oh god damn yeah. tastes Dang. like straight up dog piss malt liquor uh -huh. oh yeah Good old times. But yeah, I never did the shotgun thing, but the, the beer bong thing was a thing. That was a thing. And I'm too damn big to do the keg stand thing, right? So I, I think I did it once and I was terrified. Yeah, no, right? They're going to drop me. They're going to they drop me. I'm already too stupid for you to drop me. Um, all right. Sorry, I cut you off with story time. Um, did you have a question that you wanted to lead in? Spence. No, um, just kind of like, what are your thoughts? And like, what um, would you say to clients that are kind of, you know, going through that kind of uh, substance abuse and things like that? Obviously, you can't give advice, but, you know, like, what would you caution towards? Um, well, I think that something for the start is ADHD medication, typically like an Adderall of some sort, is actually a trigger for bipolar mood shifts. Um, and like we said, sometimes you're misdiagnosed, especially females at a young age with ADHD instead of bipolar. And so they'll put someone on these medications. And that's also kind of where some people get the diagnosis because they realize, oh, crap, it's making things worse. And that's why. Instead of it controlling your thoughts, it actually makes them cycle faster, which is wild because you think it'd do the opposite. Um, but something that, so I don't work with substance use with my population. Um, since they are residential group homes, stuff like that, they don't really have access to those things. But I think something important to note is just exploring with a client why it is that they're- Hey, hey, this is your co-host Spencer and I'm bringing you a special message from our collaborator, Silver Dalek Candles. They have great sense to go with great messages, just like best dad ever, true crime and chill, and my personal favorite, when this candle is lit, give me that You can also make your own candle and message that fits you. So go use our link in our link tree to get your order placed with Silver Dollar Candles today.
are gravitated towards these substances, explore the benefits and the the cons, right? That kind of stuff, because I think sometimes people don't understand these things until it's discussed, like the cognitive side of things. Um, but definitely exploring what is it that's gravitating towards these things, because there's probably typically other things that you can be doing that will give you that same satisfaction and feeling that you haven't probably tried out yet. So, and lots of psychoeducation. I think a lot of substance use as well as that psychoeducation aspect of stuff, because I think people use things without understanding what it is they're exactly using. Um, so that's important. So, so don't do certain drugs, but you know, then you just find the other, the better drugs. The ones that your psychiatrist gives you. Yeah. Oh, those good ones. spin. See, um, look, you slick, <laughs> slick there. Uh -huh. I see now. Makes so much sense. Um, <laughs> I bring that up sarcastically because my clients would be like, you know, I quit drinking, you know, but I'm still smoking though. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. Uh, well, you know, THC, your smoking is pretty strong and the amount you're smoking is pretty strong and it's messing up all your other sleep habits and eating, messing up a lot of other stuff. I don't care what you smoke or drink, but damn it for you, it's just not appropriate for you. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not your dad. I'm not your mom. I can't control what you do, but it's affecting you. Um, it's tough. And yeah. I work with college age students, so it's all about, you know, supposedly the partying, the drinking, uh, more promiscuity and all that stuff, right? The drugs. So it's it's technically it's more part of the culture. But if you actually dig down into the statistics, it's actually not that many people that are actually doing these these parties, these darties, these drinking all night, these heavy drug uses. The, the statistics are actually vastly lower than what people think in college. Is it high? Yes. But it's not everyone. Everyone thinks, well, everyone's drinking and getting hammered. No, it's not true. And also, you need to think about, are you someone like me? And they'll be like, what you talking about? I'm too damn dumb to drink or smoke every night in college. They're like, what? But you got a doctorate. Yeah, I can't read as fast. I can't remember things. It's hard, ADHD. So the statistics show if you drink or smoke more than three times a week, you're going to usually get lower, one letter grade lower. So if you're already a C student, now you're a D student. Mm -hmm. So there's sacrifices that have to be made. It's sad when some of my students that are bipolar, they'll use substances and, you know, it's going to cause some pain. Uh, and they're probably going to get kicked out of school because they're not going to be functioning well. The Adderall, scary. I think also when people don't do a good enough intake, they'll prescribe an anti-anxiety med or like Welbutrin for their depression. They, they skyrocket into mania. Um, I'm like, dog, you just had to ask like three more questions, man. Uh, and you mm -hmm. would have found out if my ass found it out, then you as a psychiatrist or medical professional should have figured it out. Mm. Well, they just have depression. I don't know, man. There's some other sketchy stuff in here. Maybe let's do something that's less stimulating as an anti-anxiety man, anti-depression man, instead of going right to Wellbutrin or effects or Prestique. Um, things to think about. Uh, you brought up you wanted to do this thing because of impulse control. What the hell is that? And does impulse she have control. any? Or, or did you have any? Did she have any? And then did you have any back in the day? Yeah. So, I mean, impulse control is just our ability to kind of control our impulses in a sense. So the things that we want to do, have to do, need to do, even when that's not actually reality. Um, 
And so something that I saw with her is that I think she had that awareness as well in moments where you could see it, where she knew that what she was doing wasn't good. And she took those steps back to get to a more stable position, but then she went and did these things still because that impulse was there to kind of get back into that partying. Like she keeps mentioning uh, college and how, you know, she got ripped away from her college experience. So she's now no longer going to these parties. So she's putting herself in those positions to engage with that type of stuff, even knowing psychiatrist says no, therapist says no, family is probably on board as well. But impulse wise, it's, I don't really care. I'm going to do it anyways. I know that there's consequences. I know it's not good, but nah, I'm going to do it. So um, I've had my, yeah, impulse control is definitely a, another symptom that goes with bipolar disorder. Um, and it's, it's tough because you can tell yourself day in, day out that this is not good, that it's an impulse, I shouldn't act on it, but you still do. And I don't know how else to describe it. Um, it's once again, this diagnosis takes a lot of hard work. It's a lot of mental thinking around these things because our thoughts are kind of going 50,000 miles an hour all the time. So, but yeah, I've had my own fair share with impulse control. It's gotten me into some not so great situations and I learned from them, thankfully, because not everyone does, but I've built myself back up from those things so that I don't do them again. Um, yep. Not everyone has that though. Yep. And so impulse control and, damn, I lost the word, intrusive thoughts, two different oh, things. Yes. Intrusive thoughts are like something that's attacking you mentally but they don't always have to be like super, super negative intrusive thoughts. Sometimes we just have, you know, those don't always have to be about self-harm or suicidality. It could be many other things. Um, mm. But they are intrusive and they could be somewhat harmful. So impulse control is maybe now you acting on some of these thoughts. But they don't always have to be bad. Sometimes they could be like uh, my boy and he, he has no impulse control when it comes to eating certain food items. Such as gummy bears. And mm. he knows he's going to get the shits. <laughs> and yet he yeah. eats half a box of like 200 of them so it's about 100 whoa um, that's a lot of gummy bears yep it's intense uh so there's impulse control when it comes to eating it could be with video game usage internet usage screen time it could be you know for some folks it's porn usage there's the impulse control to like stop yourself some people call it you know you don't have the willpower uh, sometimes mm. a little bit deeper than that than just this willpower thing um and as soon as you may do something and act on that impulse, I find it's, it's you sit in that shame afterwards. Yes. Uh, so I'm trying to skirt around some of the things because I don't want to trigger any folks. But some clients will do things uh, because it will make them feel better That they, because they release dopamine and serotonin. And so they act on an impulse, whatever it is. could be something as basic as eating. And then there's immediate guilt and resentment and hate and, and self-hatred. And it gets intense. That only circles the wheel even further to more negative impulses um, and acting on them. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad that we did this scene because I feel like she was doing better in the movie. But because she was doing better, then maybe there's, like you said, hey, you know, you maybe don't have to do your meds. You can stop therapy. I'm good now. I'm, good. I'm safe. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I can have one beer, you know. Uh, I would like me. People are like you, Nas, you want to try some of this food? I'm like, if I try one nibble of that food, I'm going to eat the whole goddamn fridge. So don't offer me shit again. That's three. That's three. We got one more than the pod's done. Um, 
But I love when people like will offer me like a snack or something. I'm good. Cause as soon as I start that beast, it's it's a wrap. Now I'm on go mode and now I have to eat until I'm full. Uh, impulse control can mean many different things in acting on them. Uh, ADHD, people have issues with it. People with OCD, like you talked about, have issues with it. People with eating disorders have issues with it. Uh, it's not just bipolar disorder, but bipolar disorder, you may see, see even more risky behavior. Yeah. And it, I'm doing this because it branches out the risky behavior. Uh, and you never know what that impulse could be. Um, with a lot of my neurodivergent clients, the impulse or the obsessiveness, that hyper focus, the fixation, it could be because you're anxious on something such as homework. Um, maybe you're just on a YouTube binge. Maybe you're learning about one specific thing and you're having fun. Maybe you're like me and I can't turn off the goddamn Netflix when I'm binge watching Breaking Bad or any of the shows I watch to like 6 a.m. and I have work at 8 a.m. Um, impulse control issues. So I wanted to relate that to a bunch of folks that are paying attention because I know many folks will have those issues. It's like when you probably see one of these murder dolls, you like you get a little bit of impulse to buy it. I ain't talking to Spencer. I'm talking to you, Lacey. Mm-hmm. I don't have any murder dolls. Not yet. <laughs> well, Spencer overbuys Spencer overbuys shoes. Um, yeah, which is a lot more expensive, probably, than murder dolls. So. Well, let's think about it. How much do those dolls cost? That's also true. These dolls? Yeah. They vary. Um, probably like 50 plus sometimes. Oh, Depends on the artist, right? Depends mm-hmm. on the artist. Okay. So that's yeah. not too bad because some of his shoes are like 200 bucks a piece. Oh, yeah, 220. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can use tattoos as an example, too. This is like oh. one of my impulses is tattoos as well. So, what do you got? They're over all there? over. I'm literally covered. She got a bunch of them. <laughs> I feel like that nerdy. I'm a cool therapist. <laughs> I feel like that nerdy guy. I got one. You look at right there. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there any other sauce that you wanted to put on this about that scene about the impulse control? Okay. Um, no. I feel like we hit all the topics. All these scenes are not necessarily metaphorical. They're all very direct impacts and very relatable things for people to look at. Very to the point depictions. Uh, okay. Well. I'm glad that we did this. I still did not think of that damn show about bipolar disorder. I know there's one with Halle Berry, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. You'll find it. You'll find it when you're awake watching Breaking Bad. I know. Uh, Well, when when she had talked about it, I was thinking of movies, and I was also thinking of all these, you know, actors and actresses and musicians that are coming out bipolar now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I used to show a lot of my clients that were bipolar. The actress, she always plays the black mom in most of these movies. And I cannot remember her name right now. I don't. Viola Davis? No, she's on a lot of Tyler Perry movies, but she's also, I think she was in Grownish. She was the mom in Grownish. Blackish. Blackish. I was like, what? Blackish. She was the grand, not the mom, but the grandmom in there. Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So she's, uh, she's has a wonderful. Real about bipolar disorder. I will try and put that up as a real because it is quite wonderful. Um, she talks about so many different things that she went through in her acting career. Um, all right, I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully, you ain't too tired. Yeah, 
You good? No, I'll, I'll be, I, get a, I start at 10 a.m. tomorrow with my first client, thankfully, so I can, nice. can breathe a little bit in the morning. But okay. I appreciate you guys having me. I'm definitely going to come back on at some point if you guys will let me. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I don't want to come back anyways, so. <laughs> I didn't want, I didn't mean it, okay? Yeah, no, I was trying to be nice, okay? Oh, you're trying to be nice. Oh, that's what I need. <laughs> It's not you, it's me, Nas. <laughs> you know what? I hope one of your dolls murders you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, now I'm like, this is uh, because I said that, I'm like, it's going to be one of the native museums at my house. I'm just waiting for them to take over my room. They will. It's going to be like Toy Story on like, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's going to be it's Five just, Nights at Freddy's. That's just all Sesame be. Street just coming at me. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar uh, is just going to be choking you out. Just... <laughs> Again, much appreciation. Right. I'm glad that you were on the yes. pod. I'm glad that we finally got to this topic. When I think of the mm-hmm. other couple yes. ones, I think I might toss those at you as well for bipolar disorder. Yeah. And then maybe we'll do like a crossover, some other comorbid issues. They will come to me now that I've got to see your essence, your presence. Um, other things will come to mind now when I see them in the future. Um, again, uh, it's exciting that you're young in your career. Um, I think it's a blessing that your clients have you. I'm glad that we had you. I think a, a lot of clients will enjoy this podcast. So I appreciate you. Yes. You ain't shit, Thank but you. I appreciate you. I gotta keep you <laughs> humble. You know, I'm not I, you know, I gotta keep you humble now. It keeps you up and then knocks you back down. That's how it goes. That's all right. I know it. I know it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And just a note for you is remember to talk your shit just you know came a long way so keep talking your shit and you said that you only have 95 followers on instagram but that's just gonna grow and grow as as you do in your career follow me follow me where can they follow you (laughs) that's the real question um at just therapisty things so you'll find me on there just therapisty things we'll link it we'll link it (laughs) we'll link it in all the reels all the posts we'll link it in all the stuff instagram linkedin it'll be everywhere at therapisty things how'd you come up with that i was just on the spot i didn't know what else to name my account but i do a lot of memes on there so if you guys like therapist memes i got you they're pretty they're pretty good i'd say so myself i need are you some of the memes you make Oh, I make all of them. Oh, there you oh. go. Well, I'm going to start stealing Oh, my stuff. whole account is all all Me. mine, yeah. Okay, there we oh, go. Wow. Impressive. Mm-hmm. I'll start posting some of them to the to the story now, now that I know that. Okay. Because yeah. people will DM me memes. You're more than welcome to DM me memes, and then I'll reshare them. Like today's posts, none of those were from me. Uh, story, they're all from uh, followers. And then my homegirl that's no divergent, that's a rocket scientist, like legit. I ask her for memes. She sends me like 50 of them. And then I just post them slowly. All the memes that are on there are not from me. They're from friends or followers. I got you. I got you. I'll send you some good ones. Send them to me and I will tag it. Or if they're on your story, just just send it to me like Nas, post this. And I'll be like, all right. I love it. Thank you. All right. So, all right. We are out of here, folks. Go check out all of our great collaborations right here. Bubs Naturals, Pinfinity, uh, Two Nerds Candle Company, uh, Cat and Raven Candle. They're not even Candle Company, but Soap Company, uh, Silver Dollar Candle Company, all of it. Go check out our link tree so you can get those discounts. Um, and then check also out go check out Cheeseburger Eddie's. 
<laughs> yep, Cheeseburger Eddie. <laughs> That's going to be a new sponsor, Cheeseburger Eddie's. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody, for watching. I'm Spencer. That's Nas. This is the Different Spectrums Podcast. Peace, everyone. And remember, take care of yourself. Or don't. That's completely up to you. Peace. Much love. Bye.